Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week in the mountains of Arizona. And we are in the thick of growing season. Things are growing fast right now, or they're stressed out, one of the two. And so this is kind of a, this first week in June is sort of a demarcation line. It's, it's where you just, you got to decide. I need to change something to bring this plant around and make it happier, or it's so stressed out. I've been looking at you bear for all winter and I'm tired of it. You're, you're going. And so the, the elms are taking over. They're growing by leaps and bounds, especially the Chinese or Siberian elms. Uh, these weedy trees that just pop up everywhere. They throw seed by the thousands all over the landscape. They're kind of messy, trashy trees. They're so trashy that we don't sell that particular elm at the garden center, at least here at Waters Garden Center. You can find them, but I would never, I would never ever tell my friends to go plant one of these wild elms. They're just disease ridden. They get they get a slime flux. There's this disease that kind of makes the sap ooze out of them. They got a, a caterpillar that eats the foliage off. I mean, if there's if there's ten bugs in the area that this tree could possibly attract, it'll it'll find a way to pull in 12, 15 uh, bugs that will start to eat on this tree. It's just a short-lived, I mean, they grow fast, they're tough, but if you're going to plant an elm, oh my gosh, get one that doesn't have all the issues, including the American elms, like your downtown around the courthouse. There's all these brand new hybrids we've actually created or crossbred different varieties of elms to come up with one that doesn't seed, that doesn't get disease, that doesn't have the caterpillar, that, that has better fall color. So you're just seeing everything actively grow right now. So some things I've had to, to look at in my own personal backyards. So it's hotter. It's going to be this way. We need it to be scorching hot. We need the mountains of Arizona to be up in those 90s, which is you know torturous to us. Some of you folks that are tuned in and maybe down the, the desert areas, you're going, what are you talking about? The 90s are so perfect for us. They're like 110 down there right now. It's crazy. Who would live 10 miles from the sun? I mean, get out of Phoenix. Why would you come up to God's country? It's so nice up here. And yes, we're complaining about the 90s. Uh, actually, in our family, uh, we start complaining about the high 80s. <laughs> of course, your plants don't. Plants are brilliant. They know how to cool themselves down. And so the leaves, as that sun rises up to the heat of the day, the leaves will actually turn. You actually notice some plants will open up in the morning, shut down during the day. Or like California poppies, they're open in the day, but they reserve their energies at night. They close up at night. Plants are actively working within your gardens to protect themselves, to cool themselves down or warm themselves up. They're very smart. And so you need plants that can do that for you. Some of my plants on the back patio, we've had several very nice backyard family barbecues. So the, the outdoors is just begging for us. 
We've got these beautiful sweeping patios with fire pits for roasting marshmallows uh, to fire pits just for warming your bum or your feet to nice seating lounging areas to tables and island grills and hot tubs. It's just, it's made for this time of year. And it's on the north side of our house. So it's a big two-story house. It's got a big deck that goes out over that. So it's very shaded. It's very protected from the wind. It's just a beautiful space, especially in the evening as the sun sets. It's magical. It's beautiful. Lots of containers back there. So my peppers are grown in containers back there. Tomatoes are grown. Lots of flowers. Lots of raised beds. It's very pretty. In fact, I shot a picture. Thank you to you folks that commented on that. It was so beautiful like uh, Tuesday or Wednesday morning, uh, the gardens were lit up, the back lightings there. And so I went, gosh, that's just, that's beautiful. I should share that photo with folks. It's just a natural Prescott garden. Here's what you can do. It's not as hard as you think. So I shot a picture, shot it on, on uh, Instagram, and then cross-bredded, cross-pollinated or, or posted it over to, to Facebook. And that thing got more likes. Just drop, I water the area maybe once a week. Actually, I can't remember. It's not very much. But they're drought-hardy, low-water, heat-loving kind of plants. And it was just beautiful. The morning sun was hitting them. They were glowing almost. It's uh, silverberries and salvias and red-hot pokers and, and uh, meadow sage and flocks and all kinds of just fun plants that are they're in their prime right now. So these were plants that needed full sun. Some plants need more shade. And the, the, the difference truly, if I could explain this, and I didn't really come prepared, but let's see what I can do. Um, a full sun plant has protection that allows the foliage, they're perspiring, they're cooling themselves down. Just Plants perspire just like you and I do. So they're cooling themselves down. And so the roots are sucking up moisture and they're, they're supplying that moisture up through the structure to keep the plant cool and then it evaporates off. So a full sun plant has found ways to, defensive ways to reduce that perspiration. And so they've got things like your conifers, a very waxy, needly kind of leaf. They just don't perspire very much. You've got thick leaves like sycamores. Very large leaf, but you'll notice only that the top of the leaf is green. The bottom is coated by a white powdery substance. It just keeps, the leaf has decided it's only, it's going to reduce perspiration by 50%. So it can only perspire on the top of the leaf. The bottom of the leaf is actually insulated, so it doesn't use as much moisture. So plants are like this. A full sun plant will regulate itself so that the root structure can keep up with the pers perspiration on the foliage. A shaded plant has less protection. Usually these plants will have larger leaves, so, so they're used to being under the canopy of other trees on the north side of, of your house, that kind of stuff. So my hydrangea. Hydrangeas are beautiful. They do very well here in the shade. And so it gets some real late day sun, and it was starting to get a little wilty. I went, okay, I understand. You're hot. I am too. Hang in there. The sun will be down in 40 minutes. Just survive until then. And then as soon as the sun goes down, it perks right back up. But I didn't want to lose my those huge pom-pommed flowers. So hydrangeas are famous for these, these flowers bigger than your fist covering the entire plant. This, one, this is a pink splendor. 
it almost has more flowers than it does foliage. And so what I did is, I went, I kind of want, if it gets too hot, it'll sacrifice the flowers to keep the foliage and the heart of the plant alive. So I, I took some wilt stop. That's the name of it. It's an anti-desiccant. Wilt stops in a, it's basically like a, it, it's like suntan lotion for plants. And so I sprayed the foliage. I didn't really, I, I avoided the flowers. I was afraid that it might burn or do something funky to the flower. I focused on the foliage because that's where most plants perspire from. So I coated that, all the foliage, with wilt stop. And lo and behold, the next day, it was fine. Never even blinked. It was just as hot, but it didn't wilt because this, this clear coating locks in the moisture and so it regulates it itself it, it reduces the amount of perspiration this plant gives off and so now the roots can keep up with that plant better so if you were to take that same plant and put it out in full sun no matter how much water you gave a hydrangea a, a daphne a foxglove you can go right down all the shade lovers no matter how much water you give them they can never take up the water as fast as the top growth perspires. They're made to be underneath the shade of other plants on the north side of homes. They're made to be in the more darker areas. So English ivy, you can go right down the list. The sunnier plants like red hot poker, yuccas, agaves, cacti, no water. They just, they've just protected themselves where they don't use any moisture. Um, these plants are have created mechanisms, defenses to allow them not to perspire as fast so they can take that blistering hot sun. Sedums, portulaca, there's lots of plants. Uh, Vinca, you notice your pansies just collapsed uh, this week. There's no amount of water you could give them. They just died. But you put Vinca in there and it's got a waxy green leaf that just lets it bloom all summer long. Got a lot in store for you. Lisa Waters Lane coming in with your garden questions after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for June are Golden Locust, Moonshine Yarrow, Hall's Honeysuckle, and Gilt Edge Silverberry. Gilded Edge Silverberry grows head high with bright gold and blue leaves that screens out the most obnoxious neighbors while standing up to blistering heat and wind. The super sweet flowers are utterly animal proof. Even javelina and deer don't like the taste of this local shrub. You'll find the best evergreen natives at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Gee, my flowers just bloom too much. Said no one ever. Hi, this is Kenneth Waters. We had a crazy winter and everyone's ready for flowers in the garden. Waters Flower Power is made specifically for Arizona that gives flowers that extra boost to burst into bloom. It's an energy kick in the plants. Get ready for roses that rule, peppers that pop, and tomatoes that triumph. More power to the flowers with Flower Power at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, back and in the studio, we've got uh, Lisa Waters Lane. She is one of the foremost gardeners, planters, knowledge, insects, fertilizing 
garden guru uh, in the county, probably in the state. And plus, I have to be lucky enough to be married to her and running a small family business here in Prescott, Arizona, and her family's namesake. So Waters Garden Center was your father's, was a Waters, Harold Waters. And so we give this segment, we just go over the questions. What are other gardeners talking about? So Lisa comes in with your garden questions, and then we try to answer them. You try to stump me, and then I go, <laughs> uh, help me out with that. And we just kind of answer them mm-hmm. as we go. Welcome to the That's studio, true. Lisa. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to be back where it's air-conditioned. <laughs> it's a little toasty out there. You duck from shade to shade, don't you? So go from shade. We have a lot of yeah. greenhouses. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are, are mist cooled, so it's pretty comfortable oh, yeah. the under there. Are nice. Then you go out and sell a shrub, you know, sell some roses, sell some yeah. parking lot, load some mulch and some manure, and, and then you run back underneath. And mm-hmm. so it's just part of the game. Just we've been doing it it's for decades. Just, it's just June. It gets hot, but that's okay. I would rather do that than my previous life of a banker where you dodged from office building to office uh, building, from yeah. meeting to meeting. Mm-hmm. And I was outdoor sales. I was, in, I was building credit bureaus, so mm-hmm. Equifax and TransUnion. I'd go in my car to another office, talk right. to a car dealer or to a banker, credit unions, whatever, and uh, you know, show them why my credit report's better than theirs. You want one? And so I that remember was, you did that down in Phoenix, right? Yeah, that there, was yeah. in a suit and tie. I know. Back then, there was no casual Friday. You just had a <laughs> suit and tie all the time. You just learned. And, and I was driving back then. Uh, gas was really expensive. So you drove, like, the first Japanese cars were really well-built, uh, very frugal on gas, mm-hmm. but terrible air conditioning. Terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Why did they put this car on the road in Phoenix? But it's just part of that. You just learned. You just right. learn how to. I'd still rather be out here. Oh yeah. Than doing this. I'd rather be in my garden. Me too. I'd rather be sipping a tea, out in my garden, oh, watching butterflies and hummingbirds. We do that every evening. Yes, we but, do. Uh, and it's fun, and I enjoy it. Is. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so questions. <laughs> All right. Well, Teresa has a question. They're going to be moving into this area, but they won't be here till after July 4th, somewhere in there. And she wants to know, is it too late at that point to put in some trees and some roses and shrubs? Oh, no, you're fine. I mean, she's got to be from the valley, the desert area. So they must be coming in from the deserts because they're always thinking that there, it's so hot, you really don't plant in the heat right. up here. That's the reason all the Phoenicians come up the hill, to get out of the heat. And so your plants should be just fine. In fact, starting July, there'll be this monsoonal afternoon rain, so there'll be the humidity go up. It's actually another planting season. Right. So your timing just couldn't be better for a lot of the summer types of plants, trumpet vines, chase tree, and all these series of, of heat-loving warm, just warm kind of plants that bloom mm-hmm. all summer long. And then you'll get directly into fall fall color. So you'll right. be right into that season by September, into September, October. Uh-huh. So you're fine. Go ahead and plant. You're, we plant up here in the mountains of Arizona, March, really through October. That's our just, we're just packing it in. We have crews. We have two planting crews. They plant year round. And so there's, even in January, it's, Blizzard conditions. They'll go out and plant a, a spruce tree or pine or whatever. So we're, we're mild yeah. up here, mm-hmm. which is why we live in the mountains of Arizona. It's four seasons, but it's a really mild four seasons. Enjoy it. 
And welcome to God's country. Glad you're here. <laughs> that is true. Okay, our next question is from Alan. He has a new patio with a brand new barbecue hanging out there. And he wants a suggestion for a nice tree that will give him good shade oh, okay. on that side of the patio. Sure. So that's one you want to probably stay away from ginormous trees. You know, your sycamores and cottonwoods and some of the big willows. They're just so big. They, they have the potential to lift patios, driveways, that kind of stuff. You put them out further. So your medium-sized, the smaller shade trees, uh, a couple suggestions. I mean, I would say start with locusts. Mm -hmm. uh, golden locust is probably the most famous up here, it's, it comes out in this beautiful gold color. Then it's greening up right now, and then its fall color is going to be gold. But it has this, these tiny leaves. It's not very trashy, easy to clean up after, but it has this filtered, dappled light that's just perfect for patios. I mean, it's worth... This is one you probably want to come to the garden center, walk the tree racks, have one of us just kind of walk you through, and, 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 and certain trees will just call to you. A couple others, and you can feel free to jump in here. I was, I'm just thinking of ginkgos. Oh, sure. Those are beautiful, just classic. They're used mm -hmm. all the time in California, but they also grow really well here in the mountains of Arizona. Very tough tree, very ancient tree. Um, crab apples. I KV think there's plum. KV plum, if you like mm -hmm. that purple color to it. It's up to about 15, 18, 20 feet tall, vase-shaped, great shade tree, thick It'll prevent the wind. Mm -hmm. and there's also several of the evergreens. If you want to be out there a little further into fall, maybe even sometimes in the winter, you want that green, green, green. But to cut the wind, you go with Austrian pines, spruce trees, junipers, Italian cypress. It's a whole series that you can plant next to that patio. It'll grow up. It'll be green year-round. Sometimes you do want that deciduous variety where it's got the leaves now shade but allows the sun in later mm -hmm. so winter so that's when you use a deciduous tree so that's when take a picture of your patio yeah bring it to the garden center let's look at it we, we look at that we're not looking at your patio we really don't care what cushions you have on your on your well i care sofa or whatever <laughs> we're looking at the shadows and which what what else is growing there companion mm -hmm. plants and so then we can match up a good planting companion for that particular space. Good suggestion. Oh, a trellis with a nice, beautiful uh, trumpet vine growing up at her. That'd be or pretty. There's Honey all suckle, kinds of ideas. Yeah. But he, they specifically asked for trees. There that we go. That's true. But many suggestions there, yeah. Ken. <laughs> all right. Well, Cheryl has a question. She has a burning bush that has not leafed out yet. When she goes to scratch the bark, she sees it's still green, still pliable. Question is, Will it leaf out at this point, or should she just replace it? Oh, boy. I would say uh, <laughs> generally I go June 1. Uh, if it's not leafed out by June 1, rip it out, put a new one in. Okay. Uh, burning bush. It's got this green bark. They're seeing that it's, there's some, something alive in there. I would say hold. What I would really do, I would come into the nursery and get a bottle of root and grow. This is a liquid composted tea that we make here at the Garden Center. It's made for stressed out plants. I would give that plant, through this month at least, a good deep dose. Mix it up with your watering can and add it to that plant um, every other week. And if by July 4th it's not leafed out, I would take a shovel to it and I'd rip it right out of the ground with, with, 
with bitterness. So Just kind of replace it. So there's no reason to have ugly in your yard. But that root and grow is really magic for stressed out plants. Obviously stressed, but it wants to live because it's green. If it wants to live, I want to help it if I can. You might check for grubs. Mm-hmm. Something might be eating the roots. and we've, we've, The grubs have been so bad. These little white C-shaped worms that are in the ground that eat the roots off your plants. It's so bad right now, we put a bag of grub killer in every planting truck because we don't want to go out, run into a colony of, of, of grubs, and then plant a tree in there, and instantly they come back and eat the roots off this brand-new tree. We're going, okay, it's worth uh, you know, 20 30 bucks of whatever to make sure all these things are gone so the tree thrives in that section. You don't know until you get into it. Dig a test hole, open up the earth, and if you see a, if you see one of those grubs, a white worm, yeah. you've got more. That's it. Kill those off. Come see us. We'll give you a grub killer once and done. Uh, the root and grow help it form new roots, new, roots. new hairs. So that's a tough one. What about one. feeding it? I would, would say just do the root and grow? it's stressed. I would do root and grow as a mild fertilizer. I would probably top dress the top area with like a two-inch layer of mulch. Keep the soil from being sunburned. Help retain some moisture. Give it the best chance you can. So, but if the plant wants to live, let's help it. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right back. At Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Victory Pyracantha. It's impossible to kill this evergreen shrub. Your garden victory is assured. Birds will nest and revel amongst the cluster of bold red berries. Thick enough to hedge and screen, yet tall enough to use as a windbreak. A big, bold plant is just $59 and sure to impress your garden friends. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love Victory Gardens, they love to shop. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lang. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Now at the start of the show, I'd mentioned sunny plants, shady plants. But really, we should go over how to water just how do you water these different plants it's like this mysterious thing it's the number one question we have here at the garden center so anyone who's who knows anything about plants we make them a print a business card we put their face on the front of it we get the logo and how to get a contact us but on the back it's got the water guide so you can just slip one out and go here here's my here's a water guide it's made to tape inside your irrigation box um, here's what it basically says When you water plants, water them a lot. The real question comes down to how long do you go between each water cycle? And so if you're watering lawns, usually those have high flow, very high volume um, irrigation heads. So they're just 
spewing water out. So you can only have five, six, maybe 10 heads per per station. So a big lawn, you might break that up into three, four, five different valves or stations because it's such a big lawn. These are flood irrigation, basically modified floods. Most of us are working with drip irrigation or micro irrigation. These are super efficient uh, type of drip systems. So you'll need to, it just drips. One, and the most common, most of us have one gallon per hour drip emitters. So you've got to leave that, that system on for an hour before one gallon of water actually drips out of this one head. This is a really difficult thing, especially for folks like from California, the deserts where they're used to either flood irrigating or just high volume type of flows. They're not used to drip irrigation. And so here they're thinking, oh, I can leave it on for 10 minutes. I can do my lawn. Well, lawns are high flow. Drip systems are very low, concentrated flow. And so you need to totally erase everything that you know about irrigation. If you've had anything besides drip, just, just start over. Nothing applies to a drip system. So you want to reset and go, okay, I've got a one-gallon emitter head. This tree, this 15-gallon tree might need 15 gallons a week, twice a week. You might break that up. So you just don't want to water trees and shrubs every single day. It destroys the root structure. What you want to do is push that water down real deep and then let it dry out in between. Well, that means your drip system needs to be running for an hour, two hours, three hours. You might not need one head. You probably need two, three, or four emitter heads at the, surrounding the base of this tree to get enough volume on that tree and still run it for two hours at a time. You need to do, do some quick math. So typically, about a five-gallon plant needs about five gallons a week. So you'd put two drip emitters on either side of this five-gallon bucket. They'd probably be one-gallon emitter heads. And so you'll need to run that, that drip system for about two hours at a time, maybe two and a half hours, to get five gallons of water on this plant. So again, let me do the math. Five-gallon plant, which is your average tree or shrub, needs five gallons of water per week if it's brand new. And so you'll run your, your spaghetti tubing, that real fine tubing, out to the plant. You'll probably tee it off, and you put two one-gallon emitter heads. If you're lucky, you might get two-gallon emitter heads. But you, you, you can decide what, how long to run it based on the emitter's size head that's on the end of that. Let's just call it one. Now we need five gallons. They're one gallon per hour. Hmm, i got to run this uh, two and a half hours to get enough water on this plant. So there I might run it either all at once that week or break it up into two cycles. So I might either run it one and a half hours at a time or, or just run it two and a half hours at a time to get five gallons of water. And then as it drips, it creates this teardrop effect in the, in the soil. I actually make a wet spot that looks like a tear that goes real deep into the, into the soil. You wanna water that plant until water goes through the entire root zone and a little bit more. So we're encouraging deep roots, not shallow roots. If you're taking a drip system and you're running it for 15 minutes every day, you might as well not even water the plant. I mean, I don't, that's one gallon per hour, 15 minutes. That's a quart. You've got a big tree or shrub that needs 5, 10, 15 gallons at a time. What's a quart a day? You gave the thing a gallon and a half, but it needs 15 for the, for the week. You might as well not even run your system. 
And so I see this mistake over and over and over. And if you do give it enough and you're watering every day, what happens is the water gets pushed down about six inches and then no deeper because you're not running it long enough. You're just running it every day, but not long enough. You'd be better off, better off capturing, gathering up all that water and giving it to it all at once or twice all at once. So you, we push that water deeper. This is really important for butterfly bush, fruit trees, evergreens. Very, very important. Okay, with that being said, how should you really water? Established plants, things that have been in the ground for over a year, you should be watering trees and shrubs once a week. If it's brand new, just in the ground, you need to water it twice a week. Lawns, vegetables, flowers, that's different. Containers, different. I'm talking about trees, shrubs, the bulk of your landscape. Okay, once a week, twice a week, brand new. What I do is I'll set my landscape up for once a week, then I'll hand water that second time throughout the week for those brand new things in my gardens. That's really how you water. Again, if you're, if in doubt, come in, get a free water guide. Every, every horticulturalist has one. They'll be glad to give you one. Ask for it. We'll explain it to you because we want your plants to thrive and take off. Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. I was raised in a nice house with my family. Now I'm out on my own and have my own apartment. I love my cute little place, but there's something I do miss. I miss my mom's garden in the backyard. It was so special because over the years I was growing up, I watched her give those flowers and plants such a personal, loving touch and so much color. I miss it so. Well, guess what? I just visited my local garden center and they gave me some great ideas. And now, because of them, when I look out my patio window, I see the beautiful planter they suggested, teeming with flowers, bright Arizona flowers. Looking at those flowers gives me such a nice feeling, and it's almost like being with mom in the backyard all over again. Want help with planting? It's all online at plant-something.org. Brought to you by the Arizona Nursery Association at plant-something.org. You'll love it too. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with just her perspective, her ideas, what she's seeing in local gardens, in her gardens, just wherever her heart takes her out in the garden, that's what we want to capture and wrap it up in a pretty little package here on the airwaves for all to listen in. Pretty little package. Huh? Pretty, You are a pretty little package, dear. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, a little bit. You still catch my eye. Aww, if you thanks. were to walk across a Disneyland kind of crowd and uh, and I didn't know who you were, I'd go, Whoo, who is that gal? But we never, we're not allowed to get into crowds like that anymore. So well, there's only six of us. There's six or <laughs> six or under in, in the crowd. So we have gone out to eat a couple places this this week. It's been they've got things figured out. Things are different. So uh, you, you're you're not getting served in glass or in plastics. Or there's yeah, yeah there's you've got to wait to be seated, but you can't see the signs. So you just seat yourself. They get upset because they haven't thought it through. Just they're even even the restaurants or businesses they're not right. ready 
for customers yet. So it's mm -hmm. this balancing between us and them, trying to figure it out. So right. several of the essential businesses, we've you know we've been honing, honing those skills for three months now. Right. So we're super comfortable with all the new CDC sterilizing, just stuff. Everything's mm -hmm. been opened up. But if you're just coming back online, it's a challenge. You got to rethink yeah. all your processes, from entrance to to the to the back to the front to unloading to just everything's got to be rethought. And some businesses, it's just too much, and they're too tired, and they just go, ah, "I'm going out of business." So <laughs> you've seen some of that too. So going, yeah. okay, I understand. Right. It's totally if you're not if you just everything's different. Consumers, I think, need to be understanding. I agree. So I see a little bit of angst with some folks because they haven't been out much either. They're getting out going, listen the way I remember it. Do it this way. And some folks are just mean. Yeah. Some are impatient and others are just really graceful and they, yeah. they give give time and space and they're just more forgiving. I don't know. It's just, it is think, different. I think there's some frustration. I mean, people have been stuck in their homes. Yeah. There's stuff that they want. The supply lines are, are yeah. bizarre right now. Um, just finding product and, and, you know, so I understand that. But, yeah, graciousness goes a long yeah. way. A little bit of kindness goes a long way. I had a thought this morning. So Ooh, I was out, what was that? I was out walking the dogs this morning. And there's certain neighbors I really like to walk by because they have beautiful landscapes and beautiful houses. And, you know, at Christmas time when you go look for whoever's house has the best lights, yeah. Christmas lights. Yeah. I'm thinking we should do that with gardens. Oh, that's a good idea. Isn't wow. that a good idea? Huh. And just kind of cruise around your own neighborhood and see who has really good gardens or go, you know, has I love going up and down Mount Vernon because yeah. it's just so pretty. But it's, you know, if you're stuck at home or you don't want to get out in the heat, go take a drive and go see who has beautiful gardens and well, let us know. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could probably, I'll bet I could talk to vendors and get a few pretty plants donated. If we can have a, you know, submit your neighbors or your photos <laughs> and contests and just draw the hat and yeah. uh, vote for someone or, or have peer voting. So there you, you submit it and everyone vote and the one with the most, we, we could think that through. We'll run that yeah. through the waters team and see. I just Maybe thought, how to, that's a great you know, idea. Go search for Christmas lights. Why not beautiful yards? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> You'll think about that. But in the meantime, so we got in just the other day a bunch more fruit trees in. Now, fruit trees have been one of those ones that we usually bring in a huge load at the beginning of the year and we sell those through and it. But we got cleaned out early on yeah. this year because everybody wanted fruit trees this year. So. It, they were just really hard to come by, especially certain ones. So we did get some in in a 10-gallon size that are wonderfully rooted out, nice, pretty trees. Uh, for so for some of you people who've been looking for some of those trees, Oh, wonderful. It's nice. Some of the tree racks have been, especially the fruit tree racks, yeah. have been pretty bare sometimes. We've, I know we've reloaded cherries several times, and then they just sell out right, right away. So mm -hmm. apricots, when you sell out... Uh, a certain varieties of apples so this is great so mm -hmm. i saw him unload the truck it did look those are pretty nice, very nice. <laughs> yeah. mature trees so some of the cherries those have been the hardest ones to find yeah. this year we got some lapins in which is a nice self-pollinating right yep. yeah stella we got some more stella in which self -pollinating. is self-pollinating uh we got some black tartarian which have been a little difficult to come by they're not self-pollinating but 
they go well with the Bing and, and different ones, don't All they? All the other fruits. I mean, Stella, mm-hmm. Lapins, they both pollinate a black tartarian. That's that great big dark red, mm-hmm. almost black cherry that just melts in your mouth. My right. mouth's are you just watering, are you watering, thinking about it. Wow. The cherries have been really good in the store. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Those are crazy. Uh, we also got some more of the apricots in, which I've kind of been out with for a while. So we got the Chinese Mormon and the Harcot, which are probably two of the best apricot trees for this area because they have such high chill hour. Yeah. So those are nice ones for here. We also got some more nectarines in, some more Santa Rosa plums, which good. is... Good self-pollinating yeah. plum again. And a good Dark. standard for here. Yeah, they just consistently produce right. nice, juicy plums. I mean, the size, bigger than an apricot. It's nice, that dark skin with that lighter flesh. It just melts in your mouth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You must be hungry. You're the- I am. I love fruits, too. Fresh fresh fruit right off the tree. Oh, there's nothing like it. If you can leave an apple or a pear or a peach right on that, that, that branch for that last week, mm-hmm. many times they'll pick them so early so that they're ripening while they're being shipped in the box mm-hmm. and they just have they look good but they don't taste as good right. that last week the tree puts all the sugars in and so you get much healthier and much better tasting everyone says the tomatoes taste better off the vine out, out of your backyard yes true so does a fruit tree right. so does parsley so does yeah. basil we had fresh tomatoes <laughs> oh, uh, so off good. you know with fresh basil picked from the gardens and it was amazing right yummy yummy we also got some more fujis and fuji apples we've kind of been looking for those and the granny smith apple which is if you're a pie baker that's a great one for pies we also got in some more uh, grapes so these are five gallon grapes oh nice you know if you want some instant vine (laughs) they will provide it for you we got the flame seedless which is that red wonderful table grape grape, yeah Uh, the thompson seedless another good table grape and there's one i'm really not familiar with i'm gonna have to look it up it's black manuka you ever heard of that black manuka (laughs) it's seedless too it is seedless but I haven't never tried that one. I'm sure it's it's probably like a variation of Concord, Concord. only without the seed. Yeah, yeah sounds like that. True. Whereas true. Flame is very red, mm-hmm. and Thompsons are just a pure green, like you'd expect right. expect to see a Thompson. So all really, this is great grape country at this <laughs> Say that elevation. Three times. I know. <laughs> Started and went. Ooh, how am I going to finish this? <laughs> yeah, okay, here we go. Um, but we grow grapes really, really well. Yeah. Uh, so I th- the secret with them is just treat it like a tree, water in the same cycle as a deep-rooted plant, mm-hmm. and fertilize regularly. And you will have, I'd say berries are the same way, blackberries, raspberries. We've got so many blossoms on our on our canes. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I mean, we're, I don't know what we're going to do with, we need the grandkids to come visit and help us eat all the blackberries and raspberries. So it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. I'm sure Vincent will get his yeah, fair well, share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He usually eats the bottom third and leaves us the rest. Vincent is our um, black lab that's found that the vegetable garden, strawberry beds, are for him directly. Yes. You can keep your dog food out in the garage. I'm happy out in the backyard fending for myself. Could you please plant a few more uh, cherry trees? I'll take some of those next. Those stupid dogs, they keep pulling off my tomatoes. Yeah. All of them. Green. They're yes. cute ball-shaped things. Yeah. Every time I look at them, I'm like, what's in your mouth? Yeah. And they have this weird green tomato in there. I'm like, oh, good Lord. I'm never going to get tomatoes. 
You will. Just they're getting the bottom ones. Once they grow tall enough, they're they're well staked. I'll just fertilize them. They'll start pushing more more blossoms. <laughs> Notice they're they're setting blossoms very heavily right now. Yeah, I think so the that tomatoes heat is really helping. They're, they're liking go. it. They're yeah, liking definitely. this. Well, thank you, Lisa. Lots of new fruit trees you can be planted right now, and all those can go in the ground in June. Not a big deal. So just water them a couple times a month, deep soak them, and away you go. Oh, a couple times a week. Thank you. And away you Scared go. Me for me. <laughs> Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. We will be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's Waters with two T's, GardenCenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants for June are Golden Locust, Silverberry, Hall's Honeysuckle, and Moonshine Yarrow. Moonshine Yarrow is a fuss-free, heat-loving perennial with large clusters of canary yellow flowers held above a ferny foliage. It's just stunning. Mountain tough, you can't kill this perennial that only blooms better year after year. Havelina and rabbit detest the summer blooms. You'll find Moonshine Yarrow for a limited time at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're in the area with your dream home on the inside, but surrounded by boring? A castle surrounded by rock is just so bland, but we can help. At Waters, we have a team of plant experts ready to dress up and decorate even the most boring of landscapes with something fresh, new, and evergreen. Plus, we deliver and plant for you. Designer plants with the experts to help you beautify your new abode. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. Some plants love the spring season. They love that cool, crisp air in the, in the evening, maybe light frost, and they love just to bloom like crazy with this great fragrance during the day. Some plants prefer winter. They like the evergreen. Your pines and spruce and firs and junipers, they just love everything about winter. Some things are great for fall color. You go, whoa, I can't believe that kind of red. I've never seen such a thing. That's amazing. Some plants love the summer. And so they just like the heat. They like warm soil, warm days, warm night. And they're, they don't have any interest in winter. They hibernate underground or they just deciduous they lose their leaves they just go I'm, uh, I'm not i'm not doing this i'm just going to hibernate right here and, and hopefully it warms up soon uh they'll wait for spring they your grapes just really woke up in the last 10 days or so crepe myrtles they are just starting to wake up in the last week or so these are summer loving plants chase tree smoke bush uh, crepe myrtles Rose of Sharon's, you know, Russian sage. You can go on and on and on. There's this entire segment of summer-loving plants. And I wanted to share a few of some of my favorites. Now, l- let me just give you permission. If you've got a plant that you've been, this is for you gardeners. Some of you, some of you need, you just need help. Uh, some of the plants, they've been, they've been ugly for years, and you keep hoping you can bring it around and it's going to be okay. If a plant's ugly, they rarely turn around and become beautiful again. Or if it does, it takes years. If your plant, the first week in June, 
still hasn't leafed out, you've got to make the hard call and just dig that thing out. Take a chainsaw to it. It is stressed out. It's bringing you down. And it's probably going to do that every year for you. It's time to commit, pull something out of the ground and put something pretty in. That vine going up that old fence is just overgrown and it looks more wood than leaves, less flowers. Those juniper beds that are just all woody and overgrown. Some, some of you just need to thin some things out or just commit to, you know, I live in America and for 20 bucks I can have a brand new beautiful thing sitting there. I don't have to deal with this ugly plant anymore. I'm giving you gardeners permission to kill a plant in your yard. These are not puppy dogs. They're not kitty cats. These are not your kids. These are just plants. And you can have a new one that's beautiful. And some of the ones you really, people don't commit enough to are the summer bloomers. There's Spring is well represented because everyone has been stuck indoors all winter. Spring is here and they're going, oh, I want lilacs. Oh, I love forsythia. I'm going for quince. They go for all the spring bloomers and there's less Less land in the landscape of crepe myrtles and Rosa Sharon's and chase trees and all these wonderful summer lovers that are easy, easy care, and they prefer to be planted in the summer when it's warm. They much prefer being planted now than they would any other time of the year. One of my favorites, probably my favorite, is Rose of Sharon. Rose of Sharon is a hibiscus. If you look at the botanical name, it is hibiscus. It's not the big tropical hibiscus like you see in, in Hawaii or Phoenix or so SoCal. It's going to be a smaller hibiscus. Maybe it's only four inches, five inches across. But you get the great colors, and they make up for the smaller flower size in just sheer quantity. I've literally had a Rosa Sharon that was so happy. It had so many flowers, it fell over. I mean, it's crazy. It is spectacular. Beautiful hibiscus, and it's hardy enough to come back year after year after year. One that's very much like that, that's a perennial. Now, uh, Rosa Sharon's a shrub. It's going to come back from the, from the branch structure. One that hibernates underground is Machutos hibiscus. This is a large flower. It's as big as your hand. Bright reds, pinks, whites. This is beautiful. They get up about knee high or so, maybe three feet, no more than four feet and, and ball-shaped. But they'll die back to the ground every year, and then they come back fresh. So tremendous new growth with this huge flower. You folks from the south call it a Confederate rose. It has nothing. I don't know why they call it that, it's, but that's a common name throughout the country. Uh, really, it looks like a hibiscus, not a rose. It kind of has a rose color to it. That's probably where it comes from. Another companion to Rose of Sharon, shrub, is crepe myrtle. Now, crepe myrtle has not started to grow yet. I mean, flower. It's leafing right now. What you'll find here is in the mountains of Arizona, uh, crepe myrtles really don't form a tree like they do in the south. They're more of a shrub. And what happens is if we get a real, really harsh cold, about every 10, 12 years, we get a sub-zero cold that just, it, it really hurts plants. It will reset that particular crepe myrtle back to the ground Kills it back. The tops are killed back to the ground, and so it comes back fresh from the roots every year. Uh, some years at least, but maybe every year, depending on the variety. And so what you'll find is your, your crepe myrtles grow up to be about chest high, head high, but you don't see the tree type of varieties like you would in a, in a more temperate climate, a zone 8, 9, or 10. 
But crepe myrtles do really well. They love bright sun, blistering hot. Just put it out there in the sun, surround it with rock lawn, and then take a heater or blow dryer to it. It just loves that. And then it's got the most vibrant fluorescent colors. There's nothing like a crepe myrtle in bloom. And they start blooming midsummer right through the end of the year. It's a really great plant. I've got several. They grow in containers, out in the yard, wherever you want them. Another one I just got, uh, just found. Oh, this is exciting. They'll be up next week. Uh, some chaste tree, big ones. Now I've got shorter chaste tree. This is a, this is a, a native, a very drought hardy kind of plant. It grows up about ten feet tall, and it's just covered with blue flowers. Uh, throughout the summer and and, and fall, it's just covered with these beautiful blue flowers, monarchs, uh, swallowtails, painted ladies. They're definitely a pollinator kind of plant. Beautiful blue flower. Well, I found some big ones, some 25-gallon, some 15-gallon. I mean, these things are instantaneous, and they're in full bloom. It's very exciting. I think they'll be here Thursday or Friday. I just can't wait. Um, And then I've found some tree, um, Joshua trees, some large trunked, type of yuccas. Found some out of West Texas. They're stunning. I've got four of them coming, two different varieties. It's just some of the exciting stuff that's coming. The summer plants, for me at least, are almost more exciting than the the spring plants. So you'll find garden centers, they're still shipping product. They're still bringing in new stuff, but it's changing to the summer mix. But chase tree, Gets up about 10 feet, covered in blue flowers. It's a great drought-hardy plant. Once you get it up to size, probably never have to water it again. One that's a companion to that is smoke bush. You'll see the most famous color is purple, like this royal deep purple. They're starting to bloom around town, and the flower on top of this shrub that gets up about head high or so, maybe a little bit taller, looks like smoke. It looks very wispy, and it all floats on top of the, the purple foliage, and thus the name smoke bush. Very pretty, very drought-hardy. No animals eat this. Same with the chase tree. Now, deer, rabbit, heavily, they don't bother chase tree or smoke bush. They also come in green, kind of a lime green, dark green forest green, but purple seems to be the go-to color. Um, that's, that's another summer, summer bloomer. Potentia. If you want a shorter plant, so knee-high ball that starts blooming in May and does, keeps blooming through the end of the year, Potentia is another deer-resistant plant that's out there, loves full sun, blistering hot, gets a, a yellow flower, five petals, about the size of a quarter. It just starts blooming and it just keeps on going. Very low care. Uh, loves loves the heat. A companion to that, so often the same landscape is Russian sage. Everyone knows what that is, a spiky blue flower shrub, gets up about hip high. And autumn sage or salvia gregii. This is, a again, about a knee-high type of shrub, has red flowers, although not just red. It comes in red, purple, apricot, white. We've got several colors because they do so well here. But salvias, again, animals don't eat it. Uh, it takes full sun. Uh, they just really adapt well. Uh, javelina, not a problem. It's in full bloom, but the hummingbirds go after it. The butterflies go after it, but the, the mammals leave it alone. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of shrub you want out in the yard. It grows in containers, raised beds, right out there, wherever you want. As long as you've got at least six hours of sun for each of these or more, the more sun you get, the more flowers you get, the better. Those are the summer-loving shrubs 
that you can plant right now. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for June are Moonshine Yarrow, Silverberry, Hall's Honeysuckle, and Sunburst Locust. Sunburst Locust cheerfully shouts, Hello Spring! with its glowing yellow leaves. As summer heats up, it settles down to a naturally cool green, only to turn gold again in the autumn. This Waters exclusive casts a dappled shade perfect for reading books or sharing an outdoor meal and impervious to deer. You'll find the coolest trees here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters in-home garden service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. We love to support our community, Lisa and I, as we've got a fairly large business. It's been around a long time, well-established, a great name. So it's 58 years in business. Lisa's father started the business back in 1962, and, and we're the second generation owners that have just taken this and, and grown it to where it is today. We Basically, we're bumped up to as big as we can get. Uh, we, we can grow as, as the town grows. So, And we're very comfortable. That's, we're okay with that. Uh, we love chit-chatting with neighbors and helping with trees, just issues, bugs, whatever. Uh, well, one of those things is we get plugged into our community. And so uh, I'm a Rotarian. I love the business and community leaders getting together to figure out how to make the world, uh, the country, their state, their city a better place. Well, uh, my club, Prescott Frontier Rotary, saw a need, uh, and they are doing something about it. And I said, hey, can I help? And they said, yes, you can, by the way. Your, your name came up. We want to use your garden center as a gathering point. So they saw a need with a Navajo Nation. So uh, just, just north of us, about three, four, five hours, is the Navajo Nation. They're very isolated. Uh, many of the homes have no running water. I mean, I don't know how you get sanitized. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't understand. Electricity is only as 30% of the homes have no electricity. I don't know how that even happens in today's solar. I just don't know how that happens. Anyway, they've been hit by this COVID thing like no one else. I mean, it is, uh, they've got 3% of the state's population, but they have 25% of all the COVID cases in the state. It is rampant. And they're, ha they're struggling with food and sanitation cleaning supplies. They just can't get enough. And so Prescott Frontier Rotary, they try to do a service, something of service to their community once a month. It's part of, part of the reason that I joined, part of the passion I have for this particular Rotary Club. E each club's got their own personality or, or, or uh, their focus. Well, theirs is, this is one of theirs for this, this, this month. So I agreed to park a U-Haul truck in front of the garden center here, Waters Garden Center here in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road, right here. 
and it's going to have a rotary banner, and Rotarian's going to man this. And we're going to try to fill this U-Haul up. Thank you, Prescott U-Haul, for donating that. We're going to fill, fill it with food and cleaning supplies, non-perishables. They're going to drive it up on Monday and deliver it to the Navajo Nation. This is just a huge outpouring. If you find it in your heart at, in any way to support this, please, please, I'm asking you for, for a favor. Come help us. Bleach, bleach whites, Lysols, anything cleaning, alcohol, anything cleaning, and all non-perishables. You know what those are, beans and canned goods and pastas and rice, that kind of stuff, non-perishable items. Uh, they're going to be here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 9 to 5 are, are store hours. And they're going to be here first thing in the morning. They're going to park the truck in front of my office, and they're going to pick it up bright and early. And there's a convoy of Prescottonians going up to hand-deliver uh, checks, money, food, uh, and cleaning supplies to the Navajo Nation. It's just a great cause. Anyway, look for that. Support it just this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it's off. Uh, we put a press release out. You can donate checks. If you don't want to shop, you can just donate it directly to the club, and they'll buy the products for you. So they've got this all honed in. It's all tax deductible. Likewise, we've got a garden class starting up next week. So the 13th, I believe, it's on bugs. Bugs of all things. Bugs are starting to show up. And so we thought, oh, we better do the first one. Tell people how to deal with grasshoppers, how to how to deal with thrip and why they're so bad. Uh, so we're, we're going with that one. So the first very, very first garden class, June 13th. That's a Saturday. Every Saturday from this point forward, we're going to have 9.30 to 10.30, a different garden, garden class. So next weekend, the doctors in the house, how to heal sick plants. The 20th, perennials that thrive in summer heat. 27th, mountain fruit trees and how to plant them. Then July 4th, we're not having a class, but we're open. So we'll enjoy the backyard barbecues and fireworks with family afterwards. That's it for this show. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. Waters Garden Companion Plants for June are Sunburst Locust, Moonshine Yarrow, Silverberry, and Hall's Honeysuckle. Ideal at growing up fences, walls, or as a ground cover. Wind, drought, deer, javelina are no problem. Hall's Honeysuckle is an outstanding mountain vine with fragrant yellow flowers that loves blooming in the summer heat. An excellent solution for a fast-growing screen, even in the poorest of soil. You'll only find the hardiest vines at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.